Some things, you know, don't change. The Bible says all things were created by him and for him. That doesn't change. (laughs) The Bible says from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And uh, we exist for the glory of God. You exist for the glory of God. That's why we're here. That does not change. 25 years ago, a bunch of young, cocky, I was going to say cocky. I don't know if we were cocky. Faith-filled, zealous punks? Who said that? Yikes. Godly young adults. Eleven of us set out from Lynchburg, Virginia, moving up here to Columbus, Ohio, where we knew no one. (laughs) But we believed that God had called us here to start a church that would make disciples of Jesus Christ. We got here on June 1st, 1985. First service was July 28th, held in the Gehanna Middle School West band room, just up the road here, a couple hundred yards. 66 local people showed up, shocked us. And then in late October of that year, Dr. Elmer Towns from Liberty University and Thomas Road Baptist Church came up and chartered our church officially. And 50-odd people or so, not odd people. (laughs) There were a few odd people, but signed that charter. And Dr. Towns challenged us to become, to covenant together, to become a New Testament disciple-making glory of God church. And for that, we give him all the glory. But I've been asking myself this as we've led up to this weekend. What is it that exactly we're celebrating? 25 years, okay. But what at this 25-year mark are we celebrating today? Is it just the fact that we're still here? that the walls are still standing, there's still people in the seats. Is that what we're celebrating? I think it goes deeper than that, don't you? I think it's more than that. A few things I'm celebrating include the faithfulness of God for 25 years. 25 years of God's faithfulness to us. You know, one of my favorite passages, we saw it in 1 Corinthians, says, God is faithful. When God makes a covenant promise to his people, you can take it to the bank, you can rest in it, You can rest assured that he's going to carry that out. And I especially love his new covenant promise. He says, when you go and make disciples, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And God has been faithful to that promise, hasn't he? He's been with us, his presence, giving us hope and joy. When we were down, when we were lost, when it was dark, we wondered if he might be through with us. His presence gave us hope when it was hard, when it was confusing, when we questioned his ways, when we weren't even sure if we wanted to trust him. He remained faithful. He did not abandon us. He's still with us. And his presence gave us new hope. And so today I'm celebrating 25 years of God's faithfulness to us. And I say thank you, God. Thank you for your presence here all these years. If you ever removed your presence from us, we'd be through. We'd be done. And I rejoice in his grace to you, uh, too, don't you? 25 years of God's grace and mercy to us. I can confidently say this. We're getting way more than we deserve. You're getting way more than you deserve. I am. Collectively, we get way more than we deserve. It's all God's grace. Any gospel good that has come here, any life transformation that has come here, is due to the grace of God. And we should praise him today for 25 years of his grace and mercy to us. The fact that God is being glorified among us through the transformation of our lives is most assuredly not a testimony to having scintillating, flawless, five-star leadership all through these years. My leadership in particular has been flawed at best. It's due to the grace of God and his mercy. You know, it's a great privilege to be used by God at all. And I'm also celebrating today 25 years of Jesus' power on display through the transformation of lives through his gospel. I'm celebrating that today. My life has been changed. My life has been transformed. Amen. I'm just curious. How many of you would say that through your connection to the body of believers here at New Life, God has transformed your life in some way? 
Would you lift your hands? Yeah, praise God for that. That's his power on display in our midst for 25 years. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. If you're really a God-centered, gospel-driven disciple of Jesus today, then what gets your heart beating fast is when God is seen to be great, because he is great. And God is seen to be great when his people treasure him and cherish him above everything, above everything. And that only happens when a sinful heart is transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we revel in that today, don't we? We praise him for his power. Gospel transformation. That's what we're about. That's what we've always been about. In and through this church body, God has displayed his great power and received great glory by transforming hundreds of lives through his gospel. He chose us. He drew us. He redeemed us through his cross. He justified us by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. He is sanctifying us through the power of his spirit and the power of his word. He uses us to display his glory. And one day he's going to transport us to heaven where we're going to enjoy glorifying him forever, forever. And so I pray, oh, that God would continue the work that he has begun in us of displaying his mighty and awesome power. You know, part of that vision that God put in the hearts of those young church planters many years ago was the vision to not only be a disciple-making church, but to reproduce disciple-making churches, to be fruitful and multiply, as the Bible says. Not only biologically, we're pretty good at that, but on the small group level and on the congregation level, reproducing new, God-glorifying, gospel-driven, disciple-making churches. And um, through his working, there are other New Life churches now in and around Central Ohio, in and around Columbus. Together, those churches form what we call the New Life Network. It's a small family of churches. We partner together to plant other like-minded, kindred spirit churches. And our hope is that By the year 2020, there will be 20 of those churches in that New Life Network. We've called it the 2020 vision for many years. It's our hope and prayer that God will grace us and do that through us. Those daughter churches, we call them, we consider our spiritual offspring, and and God is working strongly in all of those churches. We wanted to give you a glimpse of what God's up to in the New Life Network these days. So take a look at this video on the side screens. My name is Ed Travers, and I'm at the Ohio State Union. This is their brand new facility that just opened last March. One of the great things about having a church here at the Ohio State University is you have a campus of 55,000 people from all over the world, but they're at a critical age in their life where if they embrace Christ, they're going to go back to their different nations. And so what you would see in a a gathering here at Ohio State, you're going to see hundreds of different students from all different nations meeting here, worshiping God together. And our goal is to help them to understand not only who Christ is, but to mobilize them for, this, for the gospel of Christ, to send them back out into their communities. We have a team of people that are starting to organize and pray about our first church plant on another campus. And we're looking at many universities, and one of the ways that uh, your continued partnership with us is to pray that God will give us wisdom as to where that's going to be. Uh, but that's the exciting thing about you know, our people. They're very mobile, and they're very ready to let their lives be on the line for the gospel. Hi, my name is Tim Toole. I'm the pastor at New Life Community Church in Blacklick. We meet on the corner of Broad and Reynoldsburg, New Albany Road in Blacklick, Ohio. We're seeing our congregation members moving into new neighborhoods and meeting their neighbors with the intent of finding out where they are spiritually and if they have a relationship with God. And if they don't, they're having the opportunities to uh, share their relationship with God and who Jesus Christ is with them. You can be praying for our people to uh, grasp more and more where their mission field is out in their neighborhoods, their workplaces, with with their families. Uh, be praying for for boldness in, in Christ to, to reach out and speak uh, the, the faith that they have, to let that out and known to their neighborhoods, uh, finding places to serve and to sacrifice and, and to be the hands and feet of God. We are, we are just uh, praying hard for, for our people to be bold in movement and mission. 
Hi, this is uh, Ken Dillman, one of the pastors at Redeemed Community Church. Redeemed is currently meeting at 1187 West Broad Street. We share a building with Jericho's Light Club, uh, an existing ministry in Franklinton. There's a, a lot of need in the Franklinton area. Uh, tonight is very typical. It's Wednesday night. and Our ministry on Wednesday night includes uh, having a meal with our community, uh, providing some very basic needs for them. We have a Bible study at the end of the meal. Uh, we have opportunity to share Jesus with people and pray with people. And uh, that's kind of what God's doing in Franklinton right now. He's just having us minister to whomever he brings our way. And the need is really great. What we find ourselves doing as a church is just giving ourselves away um, in any way that God wants us to in uh, reaching out to people that he loves and cares for. We know that God hasn't forgotten about Franklinton, and uh, we're looking forward to what he wants to do in the future. Hi, my name is Craig Yoder, pastor here at New Life Community Church in Canal Winchester. I've been here for about 11 years. One of the exciting things that's happening right now is Upward Football. This is our second year at holding this program here at New Life Community Church. God has given us this beautiful property, and we've for a long time gone, how do we use the land? How do, it's God, God, how do you want us to uh, reach people for Jesus Christ? And so last year we started our first um, season of that, had a great year. This year we have more kids involved. And uh, our first game of the season was just this past Saturday. And it was just great to see all the families that were out here watching their kids um, play football and having a good time. And uh, we're looking forward to, throughout the season we're having opportunities with these kids and with parents to um, plant the Word of God in their lives. We are very excited to partner with a church in South Africa in a town called Temba. Uh, Pastor Philip is from Ebenezer Bible Church and he's coming here this fall to visit with us to further a relationship and how our church and their church can better reach orphans around the world. I'm looking for more of those kinds of things to happen in coming years here at New Life. Um, God is building His church in Canal Winchester. We're so excited to be a part of it. My name is Matt Chitta. I'm pastor of the New Life Church in Hilliard. I'm talking to you from a, a Chinese restaurant. You know, when asked to describe the church, you know, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is not a building, but where the church lives out obedience to Jesus in homes and workplaces and restaurants. Recently there was a, a gathering of homeless. In fact, it was called the Day of Hope, where it was a day just to, just to highlight and, and show love to homeless. This was just one day where, where they could get showers, where they could have the Word of God ministered to them, and music and food and clothing. It was just a, a special day, the church being lived out. Recently there was also a, a gathering where someone in the church just got the idea that they would just love their neighbors. Now, in this case, the neighbors were Somalian and Latino and low income. And so they said, how can we love these people? And so this family got a vision of partnering with the church. Some 20 different churches, people who make up 20 different churches, including yours, to ride a soccer skills camp for these kids. And the testimonies were, we could not believe the love and on the field that day were ministers from all different backgrounds ministering to people of all different backgrounds and even in this restaurant people from all different ages gathered together and opened up scriptures people with uh, backgrounds of prison people with drug addictions and we're seeing lives change in fact just last week someone who previously was talking about their commitment to Wicca is now talking about their commitment to Jesus thank you for your faithfulness uh, New Life Church Hilliard prays for New Life Church Gehenna. We love you, uh, we stand with you, and uh, we rejoice in the faithfulness of God. Congratulations. Hey, this is uh, Ken Dillman, one of the pastors at Ecclesia Church in the Short North. I want to welcome you to Catacombs Gallery at Ecclesia. As you look around, you'll see that it's the uh, first Saturday night of the month and on those Saturday nights uh, we participate in the gallery hop. We convert our church into a gallery for emerging artists and it's our way of reaching out to the community, hoping to strike up conversations with people and um, 
get an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Well, as we uh, enter our sixth year going forward, there, there are lots of things that you can uh, pray for us about. And uh, some of those things are that we as the people of God, the followers of Jesus, would live incarnationally uh, where we're at. And one of the things that we sense God may be leading us is to uh, begin to do some house churches in various parts of the city. Um, so that's something that we would like you all to pray for us about. And we're excited you know, about what God is up to and continue to do here in the short north, what he wants to do in the future and uh, around the city. Pretty cool, huh? So God has called us to have babies, lots of baby churches. That's been in our DNA from the outset, to be a disciple-making, multiplying church, a mothering church that produces other churches. You're going to meet some of our church planters who are in the pipeline a little bit later on in our time together today. You know, um, the vision for this church and the vision for planting 20 churches in 20 years was planted by God in the heart of a young man named Dave Early many, many years ago. And we know that Jesus builds his church, right? He said, I will build my church. But in his grace, he uses human instruments. And I want you to know that humanly speaking, apart from Dave Early saying yes to God obediently saying yes to that vision. There would be no New Life Church, Gehanna. I know I would not be in ministry today were it not for his mentoring and discipling over the years, and so we owe him a great debt. We have a lot of special guests with us today, but uh, that number includes Pastor Dave and Kathy Early, who were uh, here in the very, very, very early years. And I, w I want you guys to um, honor him with a huge round of applause. He's a great man of God, a friend, and a great mentor. Dave Early. Thank you, but, uh, you know, I wasn't the only one. Uh, Kathy came along and uh, did all the work along with uh, Rod Dempsey and Patty Dempsey and Steve Benninger and Shirley Benninger and Brian Robertson and Terry Robertson, Chris Brown, Sandy Smith, Christy. And uh, Wendy Duff, Duffy were our uh, 11 adults, and a baby, Ryan, so there were 12 of us. And we really didn't know anybody interested in our church when we started, but God. And uh, you need to know that you are an answer to prayer, and your involvement in this church is something God had on his mind way back in eternity. You also need to know that God's not finished. At 25 years, this is, uh, we are in the pre-launch stage of this church. So today we're celebrating this church and now uh, New Life's really going to uh, move into more that God has for it. Well, uh, it's been an emotional weekend, I know, for the Dempseys and for us. Um, don't you love those glasses? I mean, wow. Uh, go ahead and say wow. Wow. Uh, Say it backwards. That's about what that looks like. Uh, I'm thinking about growing that big hairy mustache back. So, um, Quick update. We got three children that many of you know. Daniel was 24. Believe it or not, he got married this summer to a nurse. And uh, he's graduating from uh, college in December and starting seminary and training to be a church planter um, in January. Andrew is 22. He also is graduating in December and starting seminary in January, training to be a church planner. Luke is 20. He will be graduating in May, and uh, he is really interested in Abby um, right now, <laughs> and uh, hopes that God will use him as a Christian counselor. Kathy is now a professor at Liberty University online, and uh, so you can call her Professor Early, and uh, 
She will grade your papers for you. <laughs> well, several years ago, you know, we did be a part of starting this church. And uh, that was our passion, our vision. And it's so exciting to see these church plants and what God is doing because that's what we dreamed about before we even came here. We got a little off track in that process and got very committed to this community and growing this church. And several years ago, I met a pastor in town here, a Pastor Sam of Overcomers Christian Center, who is from Nigeria. And I said, uh, Sam, why did you come to America? And he said, uh, Pastor Dave, God sent me here as a missionary. Now that just cut me. I'm thinking, wow, God has to send missionaries to America because we're not doing the job. And we re-engaged in church planting. Today, Steve has given me an assignment to uh, talk to you about the value of church planting and living on mission and being a disciple-making disciple. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 28, if you would, and I'm going to give you several reasons why 25 years later, church planting still matters. 25 years later, why church planting still matters. This is called the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. It says, Go therefore, I'm reading uh, verse 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you until the end of the age. This is repeated in Mark where Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to people of every nation. It's repeated in Luke. It's repeated in John. The last words Jesus said on this planet were, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to come and give you power that you may be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Theologians call this the Great Commission. Say, Great Commission. The Great Commission. And you need to understand that the Great Commission is not something given just to apostles. It's not something given just to church planters. It's not something given just to uh, cross-cultural missionaries. It is for all of us. You read the book of Acts where these people had heard the Great Commission and the church of Jerusalem got stuck in Jerusalem. And God sent persecution to get them out, planting churches in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. In Acts chapter 8, in verse 1, it says, At that time a great perse persecution arose against the church that was at Jerusalem. They're all scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria. So God sent persecution to get them out to where they were supposed to originally go. They were all sent out, and then it says, All except the apostles. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. You read verse 4, and you find out what they did. It says, Therefore those who were scattered, all except the apostles, went everywhere preaching the Word of God. The Great Commission is not just for pastors and missionaries and apostles. It is for us as followers of Jesus Christ. It is a Great Commission. Now the word commission uh, means that it's much more than a suggestion. The word commission is a military term, and it's used as an authoritative order, a charge or a direction. It is a, used for a document conferring authority issued by the President of the United States to the officers in the Army, Navy, and other military services. As an authoritative order, obedience is not an option. To disobey would be considered an act of treason. The one disobeying the commission would be subject to court-martial. What that's saying is this. For us, as followers of Jesus Christ, who's commissioned us to go and make disciples, for us to not do that is to disobey the direct commission given us by our commander-in-chief. It's the great commission. It's not an option. Uh, the third thing I want to say about the Great Commission is it is church planting. How do you fulfill the Great Commission? What's the most logical, strategic, and rotten product of making disciples who make disciples? The answer is church planting. You say, well, how do you know that? 
Because Jesus gave the Great Commission, He rose from the dead, walked on earth for 40 days, ascended into heaven. The last thing He said was the Great Commission. How did the church implement it? The next chapter, they started a church. How do we fulfill the Great Commission? We just keep planting churches until we've saturated our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, until we've reached everybody in the uttermost parts of the earth. The Great Commission still matters. Second, lost people still matter. The Pharisees were upset with Jesus because He was hanging out with lost people. But I don't know about you, but because some person who wanted to bring the gospel into my life, shared the gospel with me as a lost person, my life was transformed. Anybody else like that here today? Somebody shared the gospel with you, and your life was transformed. You need to understand, lost people still matter to God. Why did Jesus come? Just to live a great moral life? Just to feed the sick? Just to to, uh, feed the hungry and heal the sick just to teach great truths? No, He came for more than that. In His own words, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. We've got to keep evangelizing, keep living out the gospel, keep making disciples, keep planting churches until every lost person has been encountered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number three, the kingdom of God still matters. You know this verse, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. How do I seek first the kingdom of God? Well, one way is when I present the gospel and evangelize someone, I am bringing the kingdom of God into their lives. We're supposed to pray as a pattern in our lives. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. What's the answer to that prayer? One of the answers to that prayer is this. When a lost person gives their life to Jesus Christ because they've been transformed by the power of the gospel, God's kingdom has come into their lives. God's kingdom still matters. One man wrote, church planting is the most urgent business of mankind. It is through the creation, the planting of new churches that God's kingdom is extended into communities which have not been touched by the precious surprise of the presence of the kingdom of God in their midst. I don't know about you, but when I see these videos and I see uh, a campus, a a live church on the campus of Ohio State University, I I, I see the kingdom of God extending into lives. When I see a a church, a living church in Franklinton with so many hurting people, I see the kingdom of God extending into people's lives. God's kingdom still matters. If we love the king, we will extend his kingdom. The fourth thing I I want to say about uh, the value of church planting is the incarnation still matters. Ken said he wants his people uh, to pray that his people would do incarnational living. Now, what does that mean? Well, uh, if you want to turn to John chapter 1 and verse 14, the whole concept of the incarnation comes out of this verse. And it not only is great theology, but it's great methodology. John chapter 1 and verse 14 It says, and the Word became flesh. Who would that Word be? Jesus. He became flesh. When did Jesus, the eternal Son of God, become flesh? Bethlehem. Well, nine months, but Bethlehem. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Now that phrase, became flesh is incarnate, where we get the concept of incarnation, God becoming man. The amazing, the amazing power of God becoming man so he could show us what God was like and so he could save us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally means pitch the tent of his life into our neighborhood. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We understand what God was like, what God is like, through the person of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus was crucified for our sins. He rose again from the dead. He walked on earth for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. He took his body with him. So where's the body of Christ? How are people seeing what God is like today? What's another name for the church? The body of Christ. We are the hands of Jesus Christ today. We are the feet of Jesus Christ today. We are the voice of Jesus Christ today. So when I go and pitch the tent of my life into a community, into a neighborhood, and love people and care for people and serve people, they see what God is like. The incarnation still matters because God still wants everybody on this planet to see His glory. And that only happens when His body touches people's lives. And every time we start a new church, we bring the body of Christ into a new community, into a new segment of of the population. The incarnation still matters. Number five, the mission of God still matters. God is a missionary God. The very heart, the very character, the very purpose of God is that of a missionary. God has always been sending. You start in the Bible and you find God sending Abraham. You find God sending Joseph to to ultimately be a deliverer. You find God sending Moses. God sending Isaiah. God is a sending God. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the greatest cross-cultural missionary in history. God sent His Holy Spirit when Jesus ascended into heaven to give life to the body of Christ. But God as ascending God is not finished. God is still sending. Jesus in His great prayer in John 17, He said uh, to the Father, As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus in the Great Commission said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. There's a Latin phrase called missio Dei. And what it means is this, the mission of God. And the essence of of it is this. We don't make up mission and then ask God to join us. What it means is this. God is on mission. And as we surrender our lives to Him and obey Him, we get on mission with God. We get in sync with God. You say, what does that mean to me? This is what it means to you. When you live a life on mission, you're going to be closer to God than you've ever been in your life. When you are are living your life as such, as a missionary in your community, as a missionary in your school, as a missionary in your neighborhood, as a missionary in your family, you're going to be experiencing the presence of God at a greater level than, than you would normally. We can tell you, when we started this church, we didn't know anything, we didn't have anything, we had God. Some of the best, closest moments we've ever experienced with God are in those times. The last thing I want to say about um, the value of church planting is North America still matters. I've had people say, well, well, there's churches all over. Do we really need more churches in North America? Well, North America has gone from being a Christian nation to a post-Christian nation. If you get on the coast, it's become a secular nation. Uh, One man uh, in his research says, the American church is in the midst of one of the largest mission fields in the world today. Only three other nations, China, India, and Indonesia, have more lost people. Do you realize that there are 200 million lost people in North America? 200 million. Do you realize that there are eight churches closing their doors on average every day? Now, there's been a great move of God in the last few years to plant more churches... But we are still so far behind. One man estimates that we're eight, we gotta plant eight times more churches than we're planting right now to catch up. In the last 30 years, since this church was a dream, there are now 50 million more lost people in America than there were 30 million, 30 years ago. North America still matters to God. Franklin County still matters to God. 
In Franklin County, if you see 10 people walking down the street, only one out of 10 of those people are an evangelical Christian. One out of 10. There's over 1,069,000 people in Franklin County. There are 273 evangelical churches in Franklin County. You say, what does that mean? That means there's one evangelical church for every 3,873 people. What I'm saying is this. We still need more churches. There are hundreds of thousands of people within driving distance of this church who do not know Christ. We've got to live on mission. We've got to be sold out. Not just a few people, all of us. I uh, read this sometime back and it's convicted me that, that I need to live my life like this young man. He was martyred for his faith in Zimbabwe. This is what he wrote just days before he was killed. He said, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. He wrote, I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. He said, I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. He says, I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. He said, I now live by faith. I lean in his presence, I walk by patience, I'm uplifted by prayer, and I labor with love. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, and prayed up for the cause of Christ. He finished. He said, I must go till he comes. Give till I drop. Preach till everybody knows. Work till he stops me. And then when he comes for his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me because I am in the fellowship of the unashamed. You're only going to live one time. You're only going to live one time. And I can tell you, it goes fast. May each of us live our lives in the fellowship of the unashamed. God bless you. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Dave, for living that way all these years and being an example to many of us. Well, as I said, we have a number of special guests with us today, and among those are Pastor Rod Dempsey and his lovely bride, Patty. Rod was also one of our founding pastors. You guys know that Dr. Jay Firebaugh is our small groups guru now, right? Who's always pounding on us, get in a group, get in a group, live in community. Well, before there was Dr. Jay, there was Dr. Rod saying the same thing, get in a group, get in a group, live in community. And uh, he's been a blessing to this church for many, many years, and I asked him to come and give us a challenge as well. So let's uh, welcome him. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's do this this morning. If you'll all stand uh, just for a second and say, that guy's crazy, but it's a good crazy, okay? <laughs> Stretch out a little bit there. You may be seated. Um, we're up. Uh, so happy to be here this morning. Patty and I are, and I guess the word that uh, uh, captures my thoughts and emotions this morning is that I am overwhelmed. Overwhelmed uh, when I think back of God's goodness and His uh, grace and His mercy, His favor, uh, those many years ago and planting this church. And it's just amazing to think back of what God has done. And we're just simply overwhelmed. 
Second word, I guess, would come to my mind is that I'm thankful. Thankful for God and how that he has led us every step of the way. One of the first steps in my own uh, spiritual development was in dorm one at Liberty University. I had an RA there. His name was Dave Early. And uh, Dave would come into the dorm uh, the first semester I was there, and he would ask me some annoying questions like, what did you get out of the Word today? Uh, how, would, how would you like if I asked you that uh, th- this morning or this week? What did you get out of the Word? And he, the first night, he, I didn't know what to say. He came back the second night, and he said the same thing, and uh, he got me again. But by the third night, I figured, well, I'm going to get in the Word. And Dave and Kathy, uh, thank you for your leadership, for your example Brian and Terry, Steve and Shirley, uh, uh, just blessed to be with you guys. Last night we got to spend some time, and it really it was, it was just like old times, uh, catching up on God's goodness and, and glory. I uh, also want to say thank you to my wife, Patty, uh, partner in ministry for 25 plus years. Um, before that, we were engaged, and you know, for her, it was a real sacrifice to come to Ohio. She's from South Carolina, so uh, much above the Mason-Dixon line was uh, foreign to her. But uh, I remember one time I was talking with her uncle, and I was all excited about uh, coming to Columbus and and Gehanna and starting a church, and uh, I was excited about it, and I was telling him about it, and he was like, well, that's good, but why would you want to go up there? (laughs) Uh, So the sacrifice... uh, And our boys, uh, we're just reveling in God's goodness. Ryan is 26 now. We've got two grandchildren. As a matter of fact, you want to see a picture? Uh, I can show it to you. See me afterwards. Uh, Peyton, uh, Matthew, and Kenzie Grace, and uh, he's 26. He's in Wyoming. He's a bivocational youth pastor out there, uh, advancing the mission, the cause of Christ. Uh, Our other son, Andrew, is 19. He's a freshman at Liberty and uh, still undecided as far as I made you guys pray for uh, Andrew uh, as far as that goes, uh, what God's will is for his life. But this morning, um, uh, I think Steve said I had uh, 10 minutes, right? Something like that. It's a little shorter. <laughs> this little talk that I want to give to you is usually takes about an hour, uh, but I'll try to compress it. I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so <laughs> I should be able to reduce it down a little bit. What I want you to do right now is just to draw a circle around yourself. Dave has challenged us this morning as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, and the mission of God. But draw a circle around yourself and ask yourself this this question. What is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? The answer to that is a universal answer, and that is that God wants you to bring him glory. Through your life, God wants you to bring him glory. That's the reason we were created was to glorify God in our lives. Every human being that lives on, this, on the planet is here to bring glory to God. Now, you might ask yourself a second question this morning, and that is how. How do I bring glory to God? And this morning, if you're taking notes, maybe you can just uh, jot down uh, these, uh, these five words that I'm going to share with you today on how we can bring glory to God. The first one is the word salvation. You can accept God's gracious gift of salvation, the gracious gift of the gospel, you can accept that gift this morning. Second Peter says that God is not willing that any should perish. It's not his will that any person in this room this morning would would hear this message and reject Jesus Christ. It's God's will that you come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ, that you accept him as your Lord and Savior. That is God's will for you this morning. As you build upon that, though, the second part of God's will for your life to bring him glory is come to the place where you are growing spiritually. You are spiritually growing in the Lord. The Bible calls it sanctification, 1 Thessalonians 4. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. And sanctification, if you study it, it just comes to the place where you are on a consistent basis saying yes to God and no to sin. Now, we have tools and Aids that, that equip us and, and empower us to, 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 to make progress in that journey. The Word of God. We've got the Spirit of God. We've got the Church of God. We have uh, other believers and uh, brothers and sisters to, to encourage us along the way. 
So as we make progress, though, in our sanctification, though, by investing time in his word, by allowing it to transform us from the inside out, though, God did not save you just to sit. God saved you. The next word is to serve. Come to a place where you surrender completely to him and say, God, my today is yours. My uh, tomorrow is yours. Everything that I am is yours. I submit to you. For me, it was as a 19-year-old. I was saved as a child, nine years old, and, and was just kind of working out the implications of that through high school and straight away from the Lord. But I finally came to the place where I was like, God, I'll go anywhere and do anything that you tell me to do. That type of surrender, that type of submission, that type of serving, of, of, of putting yourself out there. And some of you here this morning might be a part of a future church plant right here, either in Columbus, your Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or somewhere else, else out there. But it begins with a commitment to Jesus Christ and salvation. You build on that foundation through sanctification. You surrender your heart to him, but eventually you come to the place where you discover what your spiritual gift might be. If I were to ask you this morning, how many of you know what your spiritual gift uh, might be? And I've done this enough in classes at, at Liberty University and Seminary and about a third of you would have some idea of what your gift might be. But I would, I would challenge you this morning. Come to the place where you understand, you know, and you're using your spiritual gift in the body of Christ. It could be the gift of helps. It could be the gift of mercy, administration, teaching, exhortation, giving. I'm not sure what that is. But it's a part of your journey that you discover and find out what that is. Matthew 25 tells us the parable of the talents in Luke 19, the parable of the minas, that the master has gone away, but before he goes away, he gives to his servants talents and abilities. One day, the master is going to return. And looking at our world, it could be soon. And he's going to call his servants into account, and he will ask them this question, what did you do with what I gave you? I tell my students in seminary, that will be on your final exam. What did you do with what I gave you? Our goal, the Lord's goal for this church is to bring him glory. But you have a part to play in that. John fifteen eight says, By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. God has something in mind that only you can do in this body. You have gifts. You have talents. You have abilities. You have a stewardship entrusted to you by God. And I hope, my hope, our prayer is that you would come to that place through your walk with, your surrender to Christ, your walk with Christ, your serving, but that you would engage the, the mission of God. And as you do that, God's kingdom will be established and God will be glorified. Thank you and God bless you. You've gotten really hip over the years. That's some of us, on the other hand, have gone from hip to non-hip. And uh... Dave, my glasses were bigger than your glasses. I hear those are coming back. Somebody told me yesterday those glasses that cover your entire face are coming back. You know, some things just ought to be left to history. That's one of them. Well, Terry and I sure do love you guys, the people of New Life. And I hope that uh, in some way over these last 25 years, our, we have stepped into an incarnational relationship with you and, and um, been Jesus to you somehow. Francis Chan wrote in his book, Crazy Love, God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust Him so completely that we're unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in trouble if He doesn't come through. These past 25 years have been a lesson in trust for uh, Terry and me. We've sought to grow in our ability to be unafraid while trusting God to come through. And God always has come through. In Psalm 56.3, the writer says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you.
Now notice he says, when I am afraid, not if I am afraid. God knows there will be times in this journey to Christ-likeness that will bring fear. But the answer to that fear is always trust in God. When we trust him, he is pleased with us. And the fear subsides. You know, I say often that we trust him with the eternal destiny of our souls. We should be able to trust him with every fear that life brings our way. And with every struggle that we may be in the midst of. God has not called us to live comfortable lives. But he has called us to lead conformed lives. Conformed or patterned after the life of Jesus. Not comfortable, but conformed. And we know this because we live our lives and we know that life has two parts. In addition to the joy and the praise and the provision and the contentment, and the spiritual, spiritual impact and the laughter, well, the life of sacrifice also has another side. The life of trust has another side. And that may mean sacrifice and loss and trouble and concern and tears and even fear. But we put our trust in God alone. In him we trust. It is in all of those things that we are transformed. In 1 John 2.28, the apostle writes, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. New Life, let's head into these next 25 years together in complete dependence upon, in complete trust in Jesus, so that we will be confident when he returns. And each of us might hear those words, well done. God bless you, New Life. God has called New Life to be a church planting church. It's always been in our DNA from the very beginning. And I'm going to invite some of our church planters in process, if you would, to come on up to the stage right now. We wanted to give you guys a chance to meet them and hear what God has deposited in their hearts. Each of these couples has heard the call of God to step out on faith and surrender and say, Lord, take us where you're going to take us. We're, we're available to you to spearhead, to lead up a church plant here in the central Ohio area. And uh, we're excited about this. They're each in different stages or phases of the process, but we wanted you to meet them if you haven't already and hear a little bit from them as to what God has called them to. So we'll start with Gary. And Chris, you're not hanging off the end this time. That's good. Well, good morning. I'm Gary Lankford, and this is my best friend and wife, Marilyn. Uh, we had our 25th anniversary this year, just like New Life did. Ours was in January. We have four children. Our daughters are 23 and 20. Our sons are 18 and 15. Only our 15-year-old is here with us this morning, uh, Baby John. <laughs> Baby John, will you stand up? <laughs> Baby John is six feet tall now, so he's not <laughs> at 15, but he's still your baby, right? Uh, it was 32 years ago that somebody told me for the first time the amazing and astoundingly good news that I could know God personally through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so at the age of 19, having heard the gospel for the first time, I committed my life to Christ. Well, the gospel got even bigger a couple years later when I got involved in campus ministry. Uh, I spent five years in Campus Crusade for Christ at Ohio State and Florida State, where I learned how to share my faith in Christ with other people and disciple men to help them learn how to walk with God and share their faith and disciple men. And in the last year or so of that ministry experience, a really good thing happened. I met Marilyn in Tallahassee at Florida State, and we got married and started a family. And we took five years off of ministry at that point, but God soon called us to family ministry at a church in Birmingham, Alabama, which was a church full of 30-somethings, a lot of people just like us. 
and we spent a couple years there as the director of Christian education, where we were responsible for the teaching ministry of the church from kindergarten through adults. Uh, when we left uh, that ministry, we had a 10-year break and went into full-time ministry again eight years ago. We moved to the Westerville, New Albany area about 14 years ago. I actually grew up in Grandview, but moved away to the south. It was my wilderness experience. Um, but 14 years ago, we came back here, and eight years ago, we started a family ministry called Family Vision, where we're committed to building families and training leaders. And that had three pieces. The first piece was a Christian school we started eight years ago that we've had three or 400 families participate in, in Westerville. Uh, and then we did conferences. We did conferences on male leadership, marriage, and parenting. And then what we've invested most of our time in the last several years, which is marriage counseling and individual counseling. And uh, another word for marriage counseling is hand-to-hand <coughs> -hand combat. <laughs> and I've kind of specialized the last three or four years in marriages, frankly, that most people had given up on, uh, including the people in them. And this is where the gospel got really big in our experience. So if you've experienced pain and suffering and relationship failure and disappointment, uh, we have really good news for you. God still redeems people. God still heals people. God still changes people every week, every month, every year. And that's why God's called us to plant a church. Uh, there are five quick things I want to tell you about our church. They're all mostly one-sentence things. The first thing is that one of the things Marilyn and I have really learned in the last few years, especially through painful experiences in our own family, is that life is messy. Life is messy. And you know what? That's okay. The second thing is that life is about relationships. And so we're very interested in honest, transparent, high-quality relationships with all the pain and suffering that involves. Third, it's absolutely imperative that we build strong men. So we are looking for 15 strong men and 15 men who'd like to be strong. And if you're not sure where you fit, don't worry. Come on, we'll sort you out and uh, you'll have a great experience planting a church. Uh, the fourth thing is that parents need help. And so we want to give marriages and families practical help in how to do what it is you know God's called you to do. Is there anybody here who's married? All right, good. Anybody here who'd like to have a really spectacular marriage? Only half as many hands went up. Wouldn't it be nice to have some help with that so somebody can actually tell you how to do it? How does that work? We've been trying really hard, but we could use some help. Well, that, that's, really, that's really what we're called to do, and that's why we've decided to plant a church. So we're very excited about this next step in our life and the next chapter in New Life Life, and happy to be part of the New Life Network of Churches. Thanks. Well, my name is Jay O'Brien, and this is my lovely wife, Megan, and uh, we're planning Scarlet City Church in the Clintonville-Worthington area, and about two years ago, God confirmed our call to plant a church while I was in seminary in Dallas and worked at a church in Dallas through conversations with pastors and friends in, in Dallas and also pastors here in Columbus who talked about a need for a gospel-centered and missional church and through assessments, and then God especially confirmed our call to plant a church when Megan said that there's nothing else in the world she could see us doing. And so it's been a wild ride ever since. Seeing God work ahead of us, uh, bringing this whole crazy thing together. And it's awesome to be here in Columbus. And uh, one of the things that we're passionate about is leading as a team. So it's been awesome to see God bring together that team. I'll be serving as lead pastor and also a dear friend and very gifted servant leader, Gabe DeGarmo, who's right here. He uh, moved his wife and two children from Washington, D.C. to be a part, and there have been other musicians and people who have moved to be a part, and it's awesome to see people here in Columbus start to rally around and desire to be a part of the Scarlet City Church and the north side of the city, and uh, also we're so thankful for church partnerships, churches all over the country, and especially churches here in Columbus like New Life Church that are committed to extending the kingdom of God by equipping and sending out missional churches here in the city, and it's so awesome here on the 25th anniversary that we get to celebrate all the lives that have been transformed, but not only celebrating that, but looking forward and being re-envisioned again to the lives that God is going to transform in the city 
that, that God is going to transform over the next 25 years. And we're so excited to be a part of that. In fact, our vision, our mantra, we say is to be a people joining God's story of transformation and renewal. We recognize the fact that even though we're planting a new church, the mission and the message that we're on isn't new. We're just continuing the same gospel movement that was commissioned by Jesus to his disciples thousands of years ago. So presently, we are meeting every other week. In fact, we're even meeting tonight, having launch team meetings as a small group of people are running around this new church. And pray for us this week. A church in South Clintonville is praying about their partnership with us. They're wanting us to use their facility for Sunday services. And uh, we're going to be having on December 5th our first preview service. And then we hope to launch weekly services in the spring of 2011. And if you've ever had a passion for church planning, think you might be interested in church planning, or if you have a passion for ministering to young adults, and especially if you have a passion for the Clintonville Worthing Canary, we'd love to talk to you after the service or sometime. So thanks. Well, good morning. My name is Chris Winesett. This is my wife, Nikki. Uh, we have two girls, Emily, who is seven, Madison, who is four, and my little man, Ethan, he is one years old. He's in round two right now in the nursery. So just pray for him. He's very active. He's a boy, so he's been great. But uh, Nikki and I first started coming to New Life in 2003. Uh, and then we left for a couple years. I was pursuing kind of a career as a video producer at some other area churches. And then we kind of saw the light and we came back to New Life in uh, 2008. And we really had a heart for the uptown Westville area. We really wanted to plant a church. I had no clue what our next step should be. One night over dinner, Nikki kind of shared with me, you know, I really feel this is what God's calling us to do, but I just don't feel you are ready and develop as a leader. Well, of course, to me, that's something you don't want to hear your wife say. But she believed in the vision, but she just felt that I needed to do some more developing. So I wanted to find somebody who I could team up with that could kind of pour into me and invest into me and someone that I could also submit to. And uh, that person is Pastor Steve. Him and I went to lunch one day, and I shared, you know, what little bit of a vision I had at the time for Life City. And I said, you know, I just need someone who could just pour into me. And he's like, let's do this. So we did a church planting internship. And, you know, one thing that God has taught me, he's taught me a lot through this, this time. But one thing he's really taught me is that who I am. You know, God cares more about who I am as a person than he, he ever does about who I become and what it is that I do. And uh, God has just been doing some awesome stuff in our life. Uh, beginning of this year, I was uh, went through the ordination process here at New Life to be ordained as a pastor, and I also was assessed by an international um, church planning network called Acts 29, and they all agreed that Nikki and I were he headed in the right direction. One of the concerns that they did have was my lack of education. Um, when I first graduated from high school, I went to college for one year, and that's about all I made it through, barely, and then I kind of moved on to other things. And uh, because of financial reasons, we really haven't been able to do it. So I was just doing a lot of self-study on my own. Um, this past summer, God opened up a door, and I received a full scholarship to go back to Liberty University online. And um, so that's definitely been a uh, 33 years old going back to college, starting over. My daughter and I are sharing, you know, homework stories and stuff. So it's been very interesting, but. Uh, the great thing about being at New Life and being around these great leaders is, you know, I was able to kind of bounce some of my ideas off of, like, with this transition, what should I do, and just kind of seek their wisdom. And they agree with Nikki and I, which I was very glad that, you know, with shepherding our kids and pastoring my wife and, and working a full-time job and now being a full-time student, that that's enough for my plate for right now, which I'm glad that they agreed with, with us on that one. Um, so we're not quite there yet. We're still a couple years out, probably two years at least, so I can finish up college. I really want to focus on that time in my life. But really our heart still is strong for planting a church. You know, that's my heart behind it with Life City is that um, just what God has shown me just in this transition, when you make the gospel, when you make Jesus just the center of your life and everything that you do, your decisions change. People see you make decisions that probably don't make sense to them, but that's okay because I'm following God and what he's called me to do. And that's our vision for Life City is to lead people to a life that's transformed by the gospel. And that's what we want to do. So, and that's our heart for Life City. Thanks. Yeah, right there. He's been in the dark the whole time. So I wanted you to actually see Chris. This is Chris Winesett. Now he's in the light. Thank you, brother. <laughs> We've uh, grown to love these couples. And uh, we wanted to have a special time of prayer for them right now. So they're going to make their way off the platform into some places among you, and uh, we're going to pray over them. I hope 
10, 15, 20 or more of you will gather around each of these couples and uphold them in prayer. So all of you stand right now. Gary says, let them know what I forgot to tell them, which is that they hope to plant in the Westerville, New Albany area next April, about six months from now. You know, when we were planning this weekend, we thought, yeah, we want to celebrate the past, but really we want to to ask God to propel us into the future with a rekindled vision of being a church-planting church, a mothering church. And um, God has brought us these couples And we want to just uphold them in prayer right now. At the end of our time together this morning, we're going to take a special Take 5 offering where we have ushers at the doors. You know, we've done this a number of times. And that special offering is going to go just towards church planting because there's a lot of expenses associated with a church startup. Getting a website, securing a place to meet, printed materials, getting the word out, it all takes money. And um, so in our Take 5 offering, when we finish up here in a few minutes, that's what it's going to go towards, okay? Let's take the next few moments, church, and just pray for these couples, for these church plants, for God's will, God's timing, God's way. And then uh, I'll say a prayer for all of us in just a moment.